Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 33. If you'd like to join me, you can turn in your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible. It is red in the pew in front of you. Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fill the Lord. Fear the Lord. Let all the people of the wor- world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. <clears throat> but, the <coughs> but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is vain hope for deliverance, despite all its great strength. It cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope, whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. This is the word of the Lord. It's uh, an extreme pleasure to share God's word with you this morning. And uh, before we start, I'd like to issue the standard disclaimer whenever I'm uh, up here doing this, and that's that I'm, I'm not a credentialed pastor. And so you'll need to be on your toes for any theological missteps. And uh, I'd also, uh, that whenever Eric's out of town and he can't find a viable replacement, I usually agree to fill in. Uh, <laughs> So if you're visiting, I don't know if anybody's visiting today, but if you are, make sure you get back. Uh, Eric is fabulous, and so uh, you'll want to come back and hear a message that he, he shares with you. Today's scripture is the, the 33rd Psalm, and uh, whenever I've been up here before with you previously, really tried to emphasize a message that focuses on uh, knowing him, knowing God in the way that he wants us to know him, uh, to know him intimately, to know him personally, to know him as Abba, Father. So uh, let's, uh, let's know him better today. Please pray with me. Father, we come before you humbly. We are awestruck that not only do you know every one of us assembled here today, 
but that you love each one of us to a depth we cannot fathom. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, and souls to know you better as your word is preached. And we ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I mentioned, uh, I'm not a credentialed pastor. I am a, uh, I guess what you describe as a career school administrator, which I've done for 31 years. So I'm, I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm old. You know, 18 of those years were here in Stillman Valley, uh, nine years as the high school principal, nine years as the Superintendent. Fortunately, the district was able to upgrade the leadership since I left, so that's all, all, all good. Uh, you know, and one of the examples of that, and I don't know that she's here today, Leslie Showers is now the high school principal, so that's an example of the upgrading that's been done around here. Uh, Leslie's fabulous. She's just such a great person, great uh, leader, and it was just awesome uh, to work with her. If she was here, she'd be terribly embarrassed. So. You know, in that uh, role as a school administrator, one of the things that became compelling to me towards the end of my career were the uh, meeting the social, social emotional needs of our students, particularly those from the lower socioeconomic demographic. Uh, those students uh, from those homes typically were raised by parents who were not particularly effective at providing uh, what you describe as a nurturing, stable environment for their children. Uh, in those homes, in those lower socioeconomic homes, for example, conflicts are often resolved by whoever can scream the loudest, swear the most, and or push the hardest. Uh, obviously, those behaviors don't go over well in the school setting. And so uh, those students tend to suffer uh, consequences for those misbehaviors. Uh, brain research tells us that stiff consequences are not particularly effective at changing or improving those behaviors. And additionally, students from those lower socioeconomic backgrounds don't have the benefit of uh, good cognitive experiences in the home before they start school. They aren't read to a lot, uh, and they just aren't stimulated to the same extent that they are in homes of more affluent uh, demographics. Consequently, those students enter kindergarten not ready to behave, not ready to learn uh, or thrive. And they don't typically recover from that deficit. And so their, their futures are compromised forever. And the other element that's missing from those children, a lot of times from those homes, is they don't have regular church attendance, they don't experience a church family. And so they are uh, at a deficit in so many ways. And I'll tell you this, it's not that those parents don't love their children, they do. It's just oftentimes those parents themselves uh, had that same experience of, of being raised, and so that's how they're raising their children. And so they don't possess the skills that promote a framework for success in school or in life. And as you know, that's not the case for most of you. Uh, you know, Susan and I raised our kids here in this church and wit witnessed the tremendous amount of support that you provide your children, uh, and I know you continue to do that. But as a school administrator, what I really tried to uh, address were these opportunities for children in the school system, uh, to give them an opportunity for a meaningful adult life. 
And so that's something I worked on at the end of the career. And uh, I would share with you, my daughter and I are, are the early stages of a, of a nonprofit whose mission is to try to support those families because so much is at stake. So it's in that process that I stumbled across something uh, that I want to share with you this morning. I think it's manifested in the 33rd Psalm. And I, speak, I think it speaks to knowing God. And so uh, I'd like to take a couple minutes to share that with you if I could. Uh, Dr. Charles Fay is a former school psychologist, and now he's a national presenter on practices that support families and schools in their efforts to address the behavioral and academic deficiencies of children. Last May, he was presenting in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, and he was speaking to a group of approximately 500 educators and parents. And on that day, he made the following point. The quality of adult relationships that a child experiences in the home and in the school is the critical factor to their healthy development. And so as you know, as the two spheres of influence the children uh, will experience are in the home and in the school. That's where they're interfacing with these critical adults. So parents and school staff. And Dr. Faye shared on that day that there are essentially two critical elements that go into that relationship. And those two elements are authority and affection. That those two elements must be in perfect balance. So I just I want to say that again because authority and affection. If those are two are in perfect balance, the child will have a really good learning and growing experience. If those two things are out of balance, uh, the child will not whether that be in the home or in the school. Now think about yourselves. Think about the most influential adults that you experienced in your life. And those people in positions of authority would be parents, teachers, coaches. They could be supervisors. And think about their impact on the trajectory of your life. How would you describe or characterize the exercise of their authority? Were they demanding? Did they hold you accountable? Were they fair? Did they act with integrity? Did they hold high, reasonable standards for you and model those standards? Did they push you? And did they expect you to excel? Were they honest? Were they just? Were they consistent? Did they act with integrity? And I'm willing to bet, as you're thinking, I didn't give you much time, but as you're, as you're thinking about those folks, I'm willing to bet that those people who impacted you in that degree exhibited those characteristics of exercising their authority that way. Now, as you think about them, how would you uh, characterize their affection for you? Uh, did you get the sense that they cared about you? Did they encourage you? Did they take a strong interest in your aspirations? 
Did they support you in difficult times and see you through challenges? Did they make you feel important? Were they there for you? Did they believe in you? And did they love you unconditionally? Dr. Faye said uh, that authority without affection is a disaster and creates resentment. He also said that affection without authority is destructive. And so you think about, you know, that person that, you know, may be in those positions, a parent, teacher, adult, who abuses their position of authority, uh, who expects you to obey and respect them out of their position of authority alone. You know, you can do, never do enough to please them. They, they kind of engage in those put-downs just to kind of keep you in your place they, while they feed their own ego. And again, I think it's fair we, we resent those people who misuse their authority that way. And children experience that also in that misuse of authority. And then you think about those same folks that, like, it's all affection and no authority. And in other words, these are parents who give their kids whatever they want. Uh, these are, you know, maybe... Uh, Supervisors who want to be friends or buddies with you. It's the, the teacher or the coach maybe who's more interested in being liked than providing critical, meaningful feedback. And um, you've probably had experiences with those people. And we tend to lose respect and benefit little from those types of relationships. So anyway, Dr. Faye sharing this. And... Uh, it's all making a lot of sense to me as I'm hearing it. I never had really thought of it that way. And then, uh, so anyway, I'm sitting, and there's 500 people there. And the, if you've ever been to those conference rooms, those, these conference things, they squeeze those chairs all together because they, they're kind of like, they pack you in there. And I, so what I try to do, because uh, just it's, uh, it's probably selfish, I try, I sit, I like to sit like maybe in the front row because then there's nobody in front of me. So I can like st stretch out my legs. And then I like to sit on the end of the row so there's like nobody next to me. And that way I can kind of scoochie my chair over so that uh, I feel like I got some space. But I was close enough that day because I was sitting in the front row, Dr. Faye's up there. And, and so I notice, I notice that uh, he's got a, a tie clasp. And so on the, his tie clasp is a cross. And I'm, I'm thinking, so I started thinking, well, wait, that was, you just don't see that all the time. And uh, so I started to think about the theological framework about what he was saying, about this authority and affection. And, and then it, it kind of it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, oh, his authority, his affection. And uh, so... If we want to know him in the way he wants us to know him, um, I think it's really important to know and understand the depth of his authority and the depth of his affection. And although the entire Bible, I think, speaks to his authority and his love, Genesis through Revelation, the 33rd Psalm that Melanie read today I th encompasses uh, both aspects, and I think provides a magnificent description of both those elements, his authority 
and his affection. So let's, uh, let's dig into that a little bit. His authority. God is the author and sustainer of life. And as the author of life, he is the ultimate authority. His authority is rooted in Genesis, and it was described in verses 6 and 7 today. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. And furthermore, we, we can't fathom the depth, power, and majesty of his authority. It is, it is complete, and it is infinite. And even in, in verses 8 and 9, uh, let all the earth fear the Lord. And Lord is capital L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. He is the beginning and end of all authority, and his authority is executed perfectly. And his authority is boundless. I think it's also important to know and understand that his authority is rooted in holiness, righteousness, justice, faithfulness, and really degrees that it's hard to even find the words to describe. You know, and then the verses 4 and 5, you know, the word of the Lord is upright, and all of his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his steadfast love. There is no authority like his. There just isn't. Uh, and you know there are some and, you know, that are uncomfortable with that authority. I mean, that, that authority is, is, is up there. But there are people who, you know, you know deny that authority or try or to deny it or ignore it. And we have this, uh, you know, through the Old Testament, there's this, this perception or view uh, that, uh, that God is this overpowering, arbitrary authority figure. And he does have a lot of authority and a lot, a lot, of, a lot of power. But part of our misunderstanding of that is, you know, our own sinfulness that we, you know, we want to be in authority. We want to be in control and we want to be in power, but it's not ours. It's his. And so when we hear about his degree, it makes a lot of us uh, uncomfortable. But the fact is, he is in total control of his creation. You know, in, like in verses 10 and 11, the Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations. He didn't create and forget about us. Uh, his authority is constant and it is personal. Um, you know, and again, as Melanie read in the 13th through 15th verses, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man from where he sits enthroned. He sits enthroned. That's a seat of authority. He looks down on all the inhabitants of earth. 
He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes their deeds. You just can't deny that he knows us from that seat of authority. So he's our authority. And so the, the question is, how should we respond to his authority? Uh, it's rooted in holiness, uh, and by ourselves we are not holy. He requires obedience, but by our nature we are not particularly obedient. We're created in his image. We, sure, we fall short of that standard daily, if not by the minute. We're sinners. So I think we can agree that the stakes are high, that this is really important, serious stuff. And so then, uh, should we fear his authority? Should we fear his authority? We should. Uh, But that is why it is so important to know and understand his affection. The depth and power of his authority is met equally by the depth and power of his love. And that's amazing. Uh, Verses 18, 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. So, like, to what depth does he love us? What's the depth of the affection? Is, is there a way that you could begin to even explain that? Well, uh, you know, John 3.16. And that's the verse we all know, but I really think when, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, there isn't any amount of authority that can be outdone by the act of love described in 3.16. That verse also verifies and validates the degree of God's authority. Uh, And we don't have time to dwell on it today. Uh, This is what happens when you get up here and preach every once in a while. It's like you want to jam like ten sermons into one and then it just tortures everybody. So we don't have time to go into it, but I, I, I think the point is that, that that gave his one and only son, that in and of itself is just like earth-shaking. And it, it describes this depth of love and affection that is, that is just uh, unfathomable. Because, you know, to look at the, the, the Trinity and the depth of love uh, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and, and to think that there would be a breach in that relationship even for a millisecond, would be unspeakable. But that's how much he loves us. Entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, is revealing this truth of God's perfect authority and his perfect, steadfast love. And if, if our hearts have been opened to see it, the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ is the testament to the depth of God's authority and the depth of his love for us. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you.
And, you know, I think it's important, you know, some people, while they have, have an issue with the authority, some folks just want all of his affection. They want, they want all of the affection, but none of the authority. But the fact is, we can't fully experience the unspeakable joy of his affection unless we acknowledge and submit to his perfect authority over our lives. And so, uh, you know, many of us have benefited from those adults in our lives here on earth who executed their authority and provided affection in ways that changed us. The relational experience and its impact are enormous. But living in God's authority and his affection goes far beyond any of those. He created the most awesome conditions for us to live and thrive here on earth, but also into eternity. And although it's impossible to, to communicate in words, and uh, I'm embarrassed to even try to, try to do this, but think about, think about being in heaven where without sin we can fully and completely experience his boundless authority while thoroughly basking in his boundless affection and steadfast love. So whoever was in your life who exhibited that uh, authority affection, you know, we, we can't begin to match his. And I think what we experience here on earth is like a foretaste. When we have those experiences, that's the foretaste. And if, if we think we uh, you know, know and understand that a little bit, then the, the, then the question is, what do you do about it? What do you do about it? Uh, before we get to that, just, it's kind of, this is kind of like, like the rest of the story. The rest of the story. Some about Dr. Fee, I heard him in Madison for that day, and it's like, wow, I heard this and that effect. And so last week, or two weeks ago, I lose track of time, Susan and I were out in Denver, and Dr. Fay was uh, the primary speaker out there, and there, he's going into, again, trying to give families and schools the tools to support these kinds of families and support these kind of relationships. So anyway, Dr. Fay. Uh, it was after lunch, and we got back a little early, and Dr. Fay was sitting out in the little area. And so I went up to him, and I said, uh, you know, and everybody wants to talk to him because he's so good, but I just, I had this opportunity, so I, I snuck in there. And uh, he was sitting there, and I kind of sat up next to him. I said, hey, Dr. Fay, I said, I was in Madison in May, and I heard you speak. And I said, you made, you made a point back in May about... This relational uh, uh, of, of, of affection, of authority and affection. And I said, you know, as a more, and I said, I see a theological framework. I said, I, I see a theological framework there. And I said, I've been, I've been, I've been asked to, I have to give a sermon here in a, in a, in a, in a couple weeks. And I said, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I just want to make sure. And he goes, uh, and I could barely get done. And he was like nodding his head. And uh, he's like, it is. And then he, he, started, uh, he started quoting Leviticus and Revelation. I don't remember exactly what, but he, he was... Uh, uh, but that's uh, what it is. That's why it made so much sense. Uh, and he said that while he doesn't make his, his presentations theological, 
he says he believes very much in this relational evangelism. That as, as we live out our lives and exhibit those things that are consistent with, with Christ, it's how we permit people to experience him. So that was fascinating. So that was validating. So I wasn't like off my rocker on that. Because a lot of times I am. I go in there and they're like, people are like, I don't know where you're getting, where you're getting that. So anyway, later, so he spoke and he came back and, and he, he actually came up to me like after he went, there's a, and he came back and he found me and he goes, hey, he goes, I really enjoyed talking about that stuff after lunch. He goes, and then somebody else came up and interrupted us, but uh, it was just, uh, it was such a blessing to know that that's kind of embedded in what he was, what he was, what he'd been sharing. So anyway, what should we do about it? What should we do with that? Well, first, I think because we're made in his image, we should, in every sphere of influence that we have, whether that be parent, teacher, coach, supervisor, uh, mentor, whatever, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, we should image that. We should execute our authority responsibly and as perfectly as we can. And while we do that, we should exhibit affection to match whatever level of authority that is. We should really be uh, exhibiting that authority and that affection in the fears of influence that we have and ultimately uh, modeling um, Christ. Because that combination, that combination creates the optimum permissions, conditions for people to grow and develop. But more importantly, it images Christ. And I'd say the other thing uh, is praise him. Be eternally grateful that God's authority is, is as powerful and majestic as it is. And that it is he who rules over our lives. We should praise him for that. Be eternally grateful and full of joy that his steadfast love and affection for us extends deeper than we can fathom. And uh, I think that it's just that we would continually recognize and respond more and more and better and better to his authority while praising and living in his steadfast love and affection. Let's pray. Father, we adore you. We are astonished that you would call us to be yours. And we're humbled that all of this is made possible through Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior. And we pray this in his name. Amen.